Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Friday, June 11th. Today on the show, Mitch Light of The Athletic joins to preview the Vanderbilt Super Regional, but we begin with what will be a new playoff format in college football. The 440 is brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group, the website buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. In fact, they've been doing such a good job taking care of homes and families in this market for over 10 years that they continue to grow and evolve in size and scope. They care so much about what they do that they are actively growing their family right now, recruiting experienced project managers to help continue to provide the best possible service they can to their clients. It is across the board what they do, the best possible job that they can, on time and on budget, with the best possible people. Check them out, buildkg.com, and when you're ready to make a big investment in your home, make sure you remember the name, The Kingston Group. That's buildkg.com. So much earlier than expected, the college football playoff working committee about expansion came out with a recommendation on Thursday afternoon. It will be a 12-team format in which the first four teams get a bye, and then teams 5 through 12 will play in four first-round games before reaching an eight-team quarterfinal. Some of the details, of course, the playoff will include the top six ranked conference champions and no conference champion is guaranteed an automatic bid. Now, there's a little bit of semantics there because, by and large, the Power 5 conference champions will almost always be ranked as the top five champions, so largely those are automatic bids. But it does include a sixth conference champion, which would be the highest-rated Group of Five champion. So the Group of Five gets a seat at the table, as we've been discussing. Notre Dame would not be eligible to get a first-round bye because it does not play in a conference championship game. So that's an interesting quirk. That could adjust the rankings. And the first four teams that get byes have to be conference champions. So, for example, the year that the SEC got two teams into the playoff, Alabama and Georgia. Well, Alabama would not get a bye because they were not the conference champion. The other six teams would be at-larges selected by the committee the next best six teams according to the rankings. It's fairly straightforward with the exception of a couple of scheduling quirks. Right now, the first round games, teams 5 through 12, would play in the two-week period of time following the conference championship games. Then the quarterfinals would be played at neutral sites on January 1st or 2nd. Then you would get semifinals a week later. Then you would get the national championship game a week after that. The only real flaw with this, in my opinion is the neutral sites. You're asking fans to go to conference championship games in the final weekend of the regular season. Then you're asking them to travel to quarterfinals at a neutral site, then the semifinal at a neutral site, and then the national title game at a neutral site. It's almost impossible. And the only reason to do it is to serve up money for your crony golfing buddies that run the bowl games. This part of it is the big problem for me. Otherwise, I actually like the format, and I think they've done a pretty good job so far. There'll be no cap on the number of teams from any one conference that can make the tournament. The group of five gets a seat at the table. There are basically automatic bids, even though they're not calling them automatic bids. But the idea of playing neutral site quarterfinals and semifinals and a championship game is downright offensive. The national championship game should be in Pasadena, California at the Rose Bowl every single season, the exact same way that the College World Series is in Omaha. Every other game should be played at home sites. You're telling me that teams one through four... The top four conference champs that earn a bye week don't get to host a playoff game, but teams five through eight do? How does that make any sense? And don't tell me that these bowl games generate revenue for their local economies. Yeah, they do for New Orleans and Dallas and Miami and Los Angeles. 
How about the college towns, the small college towns filled with small businesses that would also be getting tons of revenue if those games were played at home sites? And oh, by the way, who likes watching a neutral site football game if you can watch it in Death Valley? Give me a break with that crap. Get these games onto home sites and play the national title game in a neutral site, just like the NFL. Otherwise, it's a pretty damn good format. It's probably going to go into effect a lot faster than we thought, and I'm surprised we already have this much information. It's good for the SEC. It's good for college football. More college football is good for everyone. Well, Vanderbilt gets started in their Super Regional at 11 a.m. Central Time on Friday against East Carolina. I thought we'd preview the series for you guys out there with the great Mitch Light from The Athletic, but of course, a Vanderbilt baseball super expert in his spare time. And we talked about a lot of things, of course, how this particular Vanderbilt team is playing right now, but also wanted to get his thoughts on the matchup with a very good East Carolina team. Let's start with just the matchup itself against East Carolina. This is a team that's been in a lot of supers, but have never gotten through to Omaha. What do you make of the matchup for the Vanderbilt Commodores this weekend? Yeah, didn't I see a stat that they either have the most tournament appearances or wins without making it to the College World Series? It's one of those two. So it's it's clearly a program that's been there. You know, I, put it this way. Vanderbilt played Illinois in the Supers in like 2015. And even though it was at Illinois, they were, Illinois wasn't going to beat that Vanderbilt team, again, even though it was a top eight team all along. That, that stage was very big. I don't know if it was too big, but it was very big for Illinois. This stage won't be too big for East Carolina. They They... They have an SEC type home atmosphere. They draw very well there. Uh, their coach has been an assistant at Vanderbilt, assistant at LSU, an assistant at Ole Miss. He knows what this is all about. Now that being said, they're facing East Carolina's facing a really good team, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert on AAC baseball or the East Carolina roster, but I have poked around a little bit, and, and the AAC I think was down a little bit this year even though South Florida got to a super as a four seed, I don't think that league has elite starting pitching. So I don't think East Carolina has seen, I mean, very few teams have seen the one, two punch that Vanderbilt can deliver, but they haven't seen like sec type starting pitching. They played Duke in North Carolina in the regular season, but most, but both were midweek games. So it's not like they saw an ACC level starter. You know, I think it's a favorable matchup for Vanderbilt. They're the number four national seed for a reason, but East Carolina is a top 10-ish, top 15 team all season. So it's it's far from a, you know, just show up and, and you'll advance. How is Vanderbilt playing relative to their talent level, especially on the mound, where this team was in the preseason, throughout most of the season, number one in the nation? Are they playing the best baseball at the right time? I know they've had some health issues. What What, what do you make of how they're playing right now? It's a good question because I don't think they're playing their best baseball right now. Um, they're playing obviously well enough to get out of a super regional with a uh, really good offensive Georgia Tech team. Uh, the, the bats, despite scoring, what was this, 14 to 11? The bats, you know, the first two games, the, the, I thought the, the Presbyterian game was a little, not misleading, but Vanderbilt had two huge three out hits to score three runs in the first and three runs in the second, and then kind of went dormant for six, three or four innings, five innings, and then, you know, they took took advantage of the back end of the Presbyterian bullpen and then only had three hits the next night against Georgia Tech took a while to get going against Georgia Tech so this is some key guys like Jack Bolger and Carter Young were two guys that really did not and Carter Young's coming back from injury did not have good swings all weekend until the 11th inning then they both had big hits so that was kind of like a, a positive of the game going into extra innings two key guys in that lineup left that weekend hitting the ball well uh, Jason Gonzalez was another guy that was not hitting the ball well and totally hit the ball 500 feet. So uh, I think they're playing 
they're playing with confidence because they won that region. And I think, like I just said, I think a couple key bats maybe got going late and both starting pitchers pitched very well. So I, I, I think Tim Corbin's probably pleased with where his team is right now. How surprised would you be if they lost? I'd be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked because they could lose Gavin Williams. You know, he could beat Vanderbilt two to one. He's an all-American caliber pitcher. So you lose that game and then you get some pressure on you. And, we, you know, baseball is a unique sport. Um, I'm guessing I was at the Vanderbilt game. You were probably watching the Tennessee game Friday night. When they're losing for a couple innings there, there's that nervous energy in the stands. You saw it at Hawkins Field the other day when – when Georgia Tech got off to that good start, you know, when the favored team isn't performing, you just kind of sit there and you're like, you know, basketball, you kind of create Ar the energy. Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas, same thing. Amazing fans. I saw it at Mississippi State when the, the, the other day. We have some amazing baseball environments in the SEC, but when your team is down at home in a high-pressure situation, you're just kind of looking around like, uh-oh. So that's what I'm saying. They get to Saturday and they're down 0-1. And yeah. you can kind of feel the tension in the air. That's what happened in 2013, that team that won SEC record 26 regular season games. They lose that first game to Louisville. The next day, you're just sitting there like, wait, could they absolutely, could they lose this game? And then, so yeah, I, I'd be surprised, wouldn't be shocked. That was Mitch Light of The Athletic and Vandy Baseball, super expert. I think Vanderbilt wins the series. I think the, the one-two punch at the top of the lineup, East Carolina is, is a solid baseball team. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost, like Mitch said, but I, I think this Vanderbilt team is on a mission, and I think they get to Omaha, and I think they win this weekend relatively easily. Your weekend docket coming up in just a minute, but of course, the 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. If you are a person who lives in a home, which most of us are, then you want to be happy, you want to be proud, and you want to make money off of your home. This is where the Kingston Group comes in. If you're in the market for a major remodel, a custom build, something of that nature, the Kingston Group are the people you need to talk with. They will walk you through the process step-by-step step on the front end so you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And I promise you, the work will be exceptional. Go check out the website. Don't take my word for it. Go look at their work. It's buildkg.com. Buildkg.com is the website. That's the Kingston Group. I'm going to focus on super regional play and college baseball for the docket this weekend because that's really what you should be watching. The Vanderbilt Commodores will play East Carolina in their Super Regional starting at 11 a.m. on Friday, then 11 a.m. in Game 2 on Saturday, and then 2 p.m. on Sunday for Game 3 if needed. The Tennessee Volunteers don't get started with their Super Regional against LSU until 6 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. Game 2 on Sunday has yet to be announced, and Game 3, if necessary, would be on Monday. Number one in the nation, Arkansas gets started with their Super Regional against NC State at 5 p.m. on Friday and will play through Sunday. And Ole Miss will play at Arizona on Friday evening at 8 p.m. Central Time, another SEC team there in the Supers. Their series will run Friday through Sunday. Mississippi State will host Notre Dame in their Super matchup. Game one will take place at 1 p.m. on Saturday and run through Monday if needed. Otherwise, thank you guys all for listening. Much appreciated. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Enjoy some college baseball. Keep an eye on those playoffs in the NBA and the NHL. Otherwise, it's the weekend. You know the drill. Have a cocktail. Kick those feet up. Enjoy yourself. Take a deep breath. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening. This has been the 440 for Friday, June 11th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.